0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for great. uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan's going to... Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school, trying to mimic all your moves. Today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports is a fun one and an interesting one. One where we're gonna break down a couple questions that have been sent to me, and I've been asked this uh, quite a few times over the years about um, some of the things uh, that I remember from the NCAA tournament, my high school basketball career as a freshman, my early experiences, and then, well, also what I expect from Gonzaga this upcoming season. So um, if you're listening, Appreciate it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review. Spread it to all your coaching friends, anybody else you think that might have some interest in uh, hearing hearing some of the great things that SB Live is doing and that I in particular am focusing on. One of the things that's uh, been exciting recently at SB Live, uh, just a couple weeks back, we announced a partnership with Sports Illustrated, one of the iconic sports brands that are out there. So we're kind of navigating through everything of, of what exactly that entails and what exactly that means um, for our company, but also for myself. So uh, I will keep everyone updated and in the loop if you're interested, um, but that should be exciting news for for sports fans who follow SB Live and know the Sports Illustrated name and platform. So. Uh, first question comes from Mike in Phoenix, Arizona. And his question is, what do you expect from Gonzaga this year? Uh, a dominant season, if if that's fair to say. I mean, last year was obviously, um, you know, historical uh, to a certain extent. They just didn't finish it off in, in the title game against Baylor. And I had said this uh, throughout last season. You know, the only team that I saw that would really – really have a, a chance to beat Gonzaga was Baylor because they their, their versatile backcourt. They could score the heck out of it. They could defend you both with quickness and physicality. I mean, you're seeing that with Davion Mitchell right now, early in his NBA career, he's one of the best perimeter defenders I've seen in quite some time, you know, and that doesn't take away anything from what they did a season ago. You know, I said Baylor was the only team that I thought could give him a run. You know, UCLA played Their absolute best game of the year, um, and it wasn't quite enough. I mean, that was an epic game, and it was an epic tilt. It was fun to watch, um, but at the same time, you know, Gonzaga had a tremendous year. When you look at this year's team, he got a lot to replace. Uh, Corey Kispert, 15th pick in the NBA draft. Jalen Suggs, number five pick in the NBA draft. Joel Ayayi went undrafted, uh, but he is uh, currently on a two way deal with Washington Wizards. Uh, he'll eventually find his way in the NBA. I have no doubt about that. His skill set, his IQ, his versatility is is too good um, not to find his way onto a roster. But you know, you got to replace three very key guys, um, and so when you look at it, you got two returning starters, uh, Anton Watson, um, as well as uh, the National Player of the Year, preseason National Player of the Year, Drew Timmy. Those are tremendous building blocks to start with for any team across the country. The experience that they have, the skill that they have, the leadership that they have. Um, you know. But then you add in the other returning player or player that I think is going to have a tremendous and huge impact, and that's Andrew Nembhard. Uh, He didn't get enough credit for last year's Gonzaga team, in my eyes. Uh, he allowed Jalen Suggs as a freshman to kind of play through mistakes learn not have as much pressure on him as the primary ball handler you know andrew nemhart if you look back at gonzaga's best teams over the years they've had two ball handlers two decision makers um matt santangelo quentin hall myself and blake step then you looked at uh kevin pangos David stockton um you look you look at nigel williams goss josh perkins i mean it's just two ball handler decision makers in the college game Gives you the ability to initiate offense in different ways. Gives you the ability to run a lot of different offenses. And if one guy is having a struggle, the other guy takes over those responsibilities for that night. And and so I think that's one reason, one area that Nemhart really helped last year. I think he's one of the best pick and roll players um, that I've seen in quite some time at the college level as far as understanding timing, spacing, and just having so much patience in the pick and roll. Uh, it does a really good job of, of, of dragging out bigs uh, and creating an angle through his patience uh, to make the right read and the right play. Uh, you know, you look at the young guys. Sorry, you look at the other newcomer or returning players that maybe don't get as much accolade and attention. I think Julian Strother is going to have a heck of a year. I think Dom Harris uh, has a chance to, to have a really nice career. Obviously, he's, he's hurt with an injury. Uh, we'll figure out when he gets back. But I think he, he's got a chance to be really good. Um, but everybody's excited about the new guys. How do you replace what you lost and maybe be a better team? <laughs> and and that's what a lot of people are thinking because of the newcomers that are are at Gonzaga, the number one ranked recruiting class goes to Gonzaga. Are you kidding me? That's that, that's Kentucky. That's Kansas. That's Duke. Um, that's that's not something you would expect at Gonzaga, but that's the level of program now. And when you look at the newcomers, we'll start in the backcourt. N- Nolan Hickman. I think he's a tremendous uh, point guard from the Seattle area with. My SB Live coverage, I saw him play a number of times in high school, and I always came away impressed. He's creative with his handle. Uh, he's a great passer. He's a, a good scorer. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a great scorer at the college level, but I don't think he ever has to be because he, he he's a true point guard. He gets others involved, and I think defensively he's got a chance to be really good because he's got great instincts. Uh, other backcourt uh, freshmen, uh, Hunter Salas, another McDonald's, American all-American level type player uh, long athletic He won the slam dunk contest in Gonzaga's uh, open uh, to the public scrimmage you know and when you look at him he's, he's got to improve his jump shot he's worked on it but when you when you see everything else about him you, you, you get excited because of the intangibles his ability to get after it defensively um, I think he's gonna be really good then um, the other freshman Caden Perry from Battleground, my old neck of the woods, um, Prairie High School in Vancouver is the rival to Battleground High School. So I've known about Caden Perry for quite some time, covered him extensively with SB Live. We've had him on um, some of our different coverage things that we've done. But uh, Gonzaga fans are going to obviously the easy and notable comp right away is Brandon Clark because of his high energy, his high motor, uh his athleticism. But I think with Caden you're just you're just barely scratching the surface of how good a player he can be. Uh you know, the the he hurt his back at the end of last high school basketball season. Washington played it in the spring last year because of COVID. So he missed from about mid-May when he got hurt all the way up until about September 1st. He was just um uh, you know, basically rehabbing his injury and comes back September 1st. He's got to build up his conditioning base, his strength base, slowly start working into his his skill works type of, of, of progressions. And, uh, you know, I think he, he's he's going to be a work in progress, but I think he's one that uh, he's, he's going to adjust pretty quickly and he's going to be fun to watch. And then the easy one, everybody's excited about Chet Holmgren. I, I don't need to go into too much detail here but other than, you know, he's a, I don't want to say he's a generational player, but he is pretty dang good. Offensively, he can do it all as a seven-foot, multi-position player you want to put him on the post that's fine you want to put him uh on the wing with an iso that's fine you want to allow him to get a rebound and push the ball up the floor as a point guard playmaker that's fine too he can shoot it he can pass it he can stretch it he can do so many things defensively um he he, that's where i think he'll really separate himself from a lot of other players um is his ability to, to not just block shots but alter shots um on the interior and uh, on the perimeter, uh, he, he's going to be a real fun player to watch. A couple other additions that they have: Rasir Bolton. Um, I, I think the the Iowa State transfer, where he averaged around 13, 14 a game, he's going to be he's going to be key. I mean, the options that Gonzaga has for ball handlers, um, perimeter decision makers is tremendous this year. Um, They got a lot of depth there, so Coach Fuse, you're not playing well today. Next guy, here we go. Um, You know, but the the early season schedule is Gonzaga has always had. They're not backing down from anybody. They play UCLA again, which is going to be fun. They play uh, Texas at home right away. Texas is top five. Um, Chris Beard's there now. Seven transfers. That'll be interesting to see how it plays out there. But that should be a great game. They play Duke. Uh, They play Texas Tech. Uh, and they play um, University of Washington. Um, so, so many good games are on the schedule for Gonzaga. Alabama is another one that's being played in Seattle. Um, you know, I, I don't like to say Final Four or bust, but it's looking like those are the expectations. You're preseason number one. Um, you're going to start having some expectations, and you got to achieve and realize those expectations. They pretty much did that last year by being undefeated all the way until the title game. Now Gonzaga seems to be knocking on that door every single year. The question now becomes, oh, when is it going to when is it going to open up? Well, it's going to happen sooner or later. You knock on the door that many times, it's going to happen. Gonzaga will be a national titleist in a very near future. Uh, it could be this year. I, as a Gonzaga fan, I hope it is. So hopefully that, uh, hopefully Mike, that was a, a little bit of a breakdown that you were looking for. <clears throat> Next question comes from Jim in Los Angeles. Did you play varsity as a freshman, or what was your transition like from middle school to high school? Well, Jim, I, I get to ask this question a lot of times, and and the the thing I always kind of look at uh, before I tell you about my high school playing experiences you don't want to force the transition if a kid's physically ready to play at a higher level as a freshman maybe they can play jv maybe they can play varsity great if they're not physically ready don't play them there if they're skill-wise not quite ready don't try to put pressure on that kid to feel disappointed if he doesn't make the higher team or don't as a parent please don't go talk to a coach and, and try to hey he should be on this he played on this team this is his these are his friends his friends here that that doesn't make any sense that doesn't help the kid that doesn't help the program um there 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 there's something to be said for allowing a natural preg- progression of a young athlete to figure it out on their own and what i mean by that is Say you've got a freshman and he's a really good player, but physically he's not quite there yet. Or or, um, leadership-wise, he would get swallowed up by the older kids and and he wouldn't be able to find his place. Uh, Or if he's maybe good enough athletically and he's good enough skill-wise that maybe he could play varsity, but he might play four, six minutes on varsity as opposed to possibly playing – 26 minutes a game on jv or playing the whole entire game uh, at the freshman level uh why try to fast forward um your level of team that you're on and stunt your own personal individual growth um you know so many people want to just fast forward and fast track things whether it's the parents whether it's uh you know aau coaches whether it's the player themselves there's a natural progression that has to happen and you have to allow it to happen and and I think too many times people try to speed that up, and it ends up doing um, you know a disservice to the kid, and it actually also does a disservice to the, to the high school coach and the program. Um, so that leads into the, the the answer for for me: Did I play varsity as a freshman? Well, I started off my my freshman year playing half JV and half varsity, um, for a lot of those same reasons. You know, there were older guys. Um, juniors and seniors on the varsity team that kind of you know already had built in that sweat equity with the high school coach at the time uh the high school coach knew i was very skilled knew i was very talented i was also very small i mean my freshman year i was probably you know 5 9 140 pounds maybe um i could handle it i could shoot it i can compete like heck um, but physically i wasn't big at all um but i wouldn't back down from a challenge either so um played half jv half varsity for about the first six or seven games of my freshman year and then we get a chance to go we have a road game uh, against what was a really good team in our league at the time in vancouver washington i went to prairie high school we went we had a road game at columbia river and i played normally i would play two quarters jv and play almost the whole game and then i would have two quarters available uh, to play varsity in the first five six games or whatever, I was probably playing about six minutes a game, just kind of getting getting my feet wet. Um, you know, the coach was learning to trust me. I was learning what I could and couldn't do at the varsity level. Well, we go to this game, Columbia River High School, and uh, we're we're getting we're getting beat. We're not getting beat bad, but we're down six seven eight points uh, towards the end of the third quarter. Um, to start the fourth quarter, he puts me in, and I hit a floater. I hit a three. I hit a three. I hit a three. So four possessions back to back to back to back. I made plays. And uh, so I had 11 points in about three minutes and uh, got right back in the game. Uh, Oddly enough, I don't remember if we won the game or not um, because it was so many years ago. But I remember, you know, after the game, like, Okay, I feel like I that that's my confidence booster. I belong. I should be here. Um, I played varsity the rest of the year. That that uh, from that game on, and my minutes kind of gradually built up throughout the course of the year until the last uh, two games of the year. I started as a freshman, which for me was was a huge accomplishment because of how small I was. But you know, you got to earn it. You got to prove it. You got to tr- you got to trust your work leading in. You can't. And you shouldn't just expect as a parent or as a young player that it's just handed to you because you played on a, uh, on a certain team the year before or because you're with a group of guys that maybe are, 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 are advancing a little quicker. Everybody's race is different. But if you try to skip steps, you're not going to be able to, to get to your full realization of, of your potential. And at that point, you'll miss out on a lot of opportunities. So thanks, Jim, for that question. Tim from Spokane asks, what is your favorite or favorite NCAA tournament memories? Um, I got a lot of NCAA tournament memories. I was a, blessed to be a part of five NCAA tournament teams, three of those uh, Sweet 16 teams. Um, you know, two years at the University of Washington, three with Gonzaga, one of those being a redshirt. So we'll just go through the years real quick and. and, and Kind of share my highlight for each of those years. Uh, freshman year uh, at, at University of Washington, we made the Sweet 16. We beat um, Richmond and Xavier um, at what was the MCI Center in Washington DC. Now I'm not sure what the name of the arena is now, um, but uh, we beat them. I remember uh, I think I had six points against Richmond, couple couple threes uh, against Xavier. I played a, a little bit, um, but I was that was exciting and because. Um, we're going from Seattle all the way to the East coast. Nobody was honestly expecting or anticipating us to win two games in advance to the sweet 16, where we would be, we would be having to go to Greensboro, North Carolina. So the easy transition would have been for us to fly from Washington, DC, right down to Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, But none of us really packed to be gone for, you know, 11, 12 days, both with schoolwork and everything else. So we flew home uh, from Washington DC to Seattle, um, partially because, you know, I I believe if I remember right, some guys had finals during that time. Um, We also, uh, Coach Bender, Bob Bender at the time, wanted us to experience and see what the campus excitement would have been like with with us making the Sweet 16. And, And so that was a big part of it. Um, So we were back in Seattle for about two, two and a half days before we had to fly uh, all the way back to the east coast of Greensboro, uh, North Carolina to to take on Utah, or excuse me, UConn, which was the Rip Hamilton floater to win the game. Um, But my favorite memory of that was first time I got to fly on a private plane. (laughs) It sounds weird, um, you know, but, you know, we got to borrow the Sonics team plane and they flew us we got to fly back on their plane from seattle to uh to greensboro north carolina we landed went and practiced at duke and cameron indoor stadium before we headed over to greensboro um and, and got ready for all the ncaa tournament requirements and in practices and media sessions so that was great freshman year sophomore year with the huskies uh, i was out with a broken foot at the time but still traveled with the team to the ncaa tournament in new orleans and and I pretty much knew I was transferring at that time. Uh, I kept it to myself, wasn't sharing it with anybody. Uh, cause obviously I didn't know where I was transferring to yet. I just knew I needed to transfer and Wally Zerbiak, Miami of Ohio dropped a 40 piece on us in the first round at the new Orleans Superdome. Uh, so that was, a—I mean, it was a, it was an interesting memory for me to mention because I, it was not a, fun memory was, as far as the team I was on, it was a fun memory as far as a basketball player, watching another basketball player, just absolutely uh, being great at what they were doing. Uh, redshirt year at Gonzaga, um, didn't get to travel to the NCAA tournament. That was one of the, the rules the NCAA had at the time. If you were a redshirt transfer, you didn't get to travel. And so, um, you know, I got, I, I was a part of the team. I just didn't get to experience the NCAA tournament that year. Junior year, um, we made the Sweet 16 uh, in Memphis, we beat Virginia and we beat Indiana State. But I think what I remember most about the Memphis, we played in the pyramid, um, just as how loose we were as as a team uh, in the locker room uh, that whole week. Uh, if, if you know anything about the NCAA tournament, they've got really regimented times for when you have uh, practices at the arena and you don't even get to touch the basketball until the horn goes off and the basketballs all have to be back in the rack when the horn goes off the practice is over and they keep it real regimented in times well you might see there's an hour of an open practice where fans can watch that which is what i was talking about but you're really at the arena for about probably three and a half four hours because of media responsibilities So the head coach will do interviews with CBS and um, maybe one or two uh, of of the star players will do some one offs with maybe a CBS or another uh, entity that's got, you know, private rights with the NCAA tournament. Um, But then they've got the media press conferences where typically the head coach and two players will go to um, and you'll go to that. That takes about 25 minutes or so. Uh, and then you sit around and, and there's open locker room access for other media to come in and talk to anybody they want. Well, you know, we had a really unique group that year. I mean, we had Casey Calvary. Um, uh, we had Blake Stepp, who was a freshman, really quiet. We had some re- really outgoing guys like Alex Hernandez uh, and Mark Spink, but um, you know, the big one would have been, you know, Mark Spink was as good of, leader for a basketball team that I had ever been around and most people listening to this won't remember the name Mark Spink because he wasn't a big Gonzaga uh player as far as points scored rebounds etc he was on the elite eight team he was on two sweet 16 teams but his ability to just sense the moment know the moment be a leader say the right thing to the right player or have a deep conversation with the coach to get things uh back in line with with you know coaches to players and vice versa was as good as i've ever seen um and i just remember mark spink just being comical in the locker room just keeping everybody loose uh during those times where you just get bored i mean yeah there's food and different things but you're just bored it takes a lot of time um and then from there we went to we did what the huskies did not do my freshman years we went straight to atlanta from memphis um and so I remember, you know, we're broke college kids and we don't have a lot of money and we're wearing the same clothes (laughs) like four or five days in a row in Atlanta uh, that we were wearing in Memphis. Um, You know, so that was interesting. That was fun. And then the senior year, you know, the senior year I had was uh, was memorable in so many different ways. I I can't think of a negative thing uh, my whole senior year until the NCAA tournament. And, you know, if you could have picked. uh the worst time to have a bad game individually and your worst game as a team collectively, that was that game. And uh, we lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament after being ranked six in the country. We were a six seed. We just played, we played bad. We we just played bad. And so the whole thing, you know, is a memory for me, but it was a memory in a negative way. Uh, It's something that I've tried to erase out of my memory and not think about too many times. Um, But you live, you learn and you move on and, you know, unfortunately for for some of my other teammates, that was the last true basketball game they ever had a chance to play, uh, whereas I was able to go on and, and play professionally and create more memories. Um, so I can imagine maybe the frustration sticks with some of those other guys a little bit more than me. But well, appreciate the, the listening to the ISO podcast with myself, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Mike, Jim, Tim, thank you for the questions. Uh, if you're a listener that you have a question, send it to me Dickow at scorebooklive.com. Hit up myself on one of our social on my social media channels or one of our SB Live social media channels if you've got a question you want answered in an upcoming episode. Appreciate the time, like, type, subscribe and review.